is the WFG National Title Insider Report, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending to keep you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, we check in with Arthur Sturbko, CEO of Moveopia, a consulting and real estate brokerage company serving the New Orleans market. Arthur, thanks for joining us. Uh, you talk to people all around the country, and I know it depends on the region, but what's the general mood from the folks you're talking to? Well, it really comes down to, to two camps, of course. In the real estate industry, everybody wants to get back to, to business today. Uh, they don't want to wait at all. Uh, and it also comes down to age of the individuals. I'm finding people that are in the upper levels <laughs> Uh, in my, my generation, they're a little, they're a lot more cautious and much more conservative about jumping back in uh, just because of all of the things they've been hearing about elderly or older people over 65, over 60, that uh, they're more likely to have complications mm. and more likely to get it picked up from someone who's asymptomatic. Uh, that seems to be the real uh, conundrum going on is how do you know when somebody you're talking to someone, whether They've got the coronavirus and they can be uh, contagious, uh, but they look perfectly normal and uh, and other people don't have it and they look perfectly normal. So it's a it's a real problem. But on the real estate side, I'd say by and large, everyone wants to get back to work as soon as possible. And I think they will. There's a lot of political pressure to get back to work. And, uh, of course, you've got the health professionals that are going to be obviously very conservative and rightfully so. Uh, no one wants to see anyone die or be responsible for someone to get seriously ill or anything like that. Yet the reality is people do have to get to work and support their families. I mean, people have to buy milk. They've got to buy diapers for their kids. They have to have money for those things. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be standing in food bank lines. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a testy time right now. Uh, the say, you know, if you go back in history, though, Brian, you know, we, we've we've got something to compare and contrast against. In 1917, 1918, over 100 years ago, they had the Spanish flu. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably uh, heard about it and things like that. But if you really do a deep dive into how did people react during that period of time, it's absolutely incredible. They're reacting the exact same way. They did social distancing back then. They wore masks. Uh, All businesses were shut down in those areas. And that went on for about a month and a half or two months until the political pressure from the public got so great, everyone went back to work. So the history of it was it basically started in April of of, uh, 2017 and uh, kind of petered out by the summertime which looks like that's probably going to happen here with with this virus as well. However, back in the fall, it returned with a vengeance. And uh, but by the following February, it had basically disappeared. We herd immunity had taken place and it became a non-event. So I think we're probably going to have the exact same situation unless we have some therapeutics that really uh, dramatically change that type of a timeline. Uh, certainly the vaccines would help before the end of the year. But regardless, uh, the therapeutics would be the biggest thing. Some treatment that people think, well, if I get it, I know it's treatable and the chances of me dying or having real serious problems are negligible. And I think that's really what where we are right now. You know, it's interesting. The cliche of all cliches in real estate is that all real estate is local 
And that could not be uh, any more the case than it is right now, where we see uh, some regions and states around the country that did not even shut down, others that did for a brief time, some that are opening back up, others that aren't and won't for some time. In fact, uh, many of the West Coast states uh, staying in a stay-at-home through at least uh, mid to the end of May or into the summer. And so it's almost like we'll you know, we'll see how things go in some states. And if history does repeat itself, I guess, uh, you know, those states that are opening back up will be quick to close if they have issues, right? I think that's true. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see the the widespread uh, um, reinfection rates that, that, we, that we saw in, in areas like New York, New Jersey, and in New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans primarily because of Mardi Gras. I mean, who knew? We didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, my son picked up the c- coronavirus in early March, but he was in Salt Lake City at a convention, not wow. in New Orleans. So uh, you just don't know where you're going to pick it up, how you're going to pick it up. It was a server and he handled his uh, driver's license and credit card when he paid for a meal at a restaurant. And that's the only way they could track it back down. So you just don't know where you'll get it, if you'll get it. And if you do get it, is it even going to be a problem? Uh, that's the real mystery that's associated with this, this crazy virus. Uh, but I do agree that uh, it's all local. And uh, I think that uh, you're going to see tremendous pressure in the next couple of weeks for everyone to get back uh, to work. We're seeing right down here in the New Orleans area, normally we would see anywhere from, oh, 80 to 90 properties a day going under contract in the greater New Orleans area. Uh, We're seeing about five to 10. Yet that's still five to 10 people out there looking at properties and writing contracts, probably, uh, uh, you know, electronically, uh, maybe looking at the properties at virtual tours, but life goes on. People still need housing and, uh, you know, food and housing. Those are the two requirements and housing is, is very critical right now. Yeah. Talk more about New Orleans. Uh, I can't imagine a city in America that would be harder hit. Uh, You talk about the oil industry there, oil and gas, obviously the uh, hospitality. That's what New Orleans is all about. The restaurants down there. I mean, that's got to be the epicenter of America. I know Houston's hurting as well. Many other large metropolitan areas, but you're right there in uh, the center of it. Well, that's true. And uh, it, it's just amazing how we went from the penthouse to the outhouse so quickly. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the, the economy was at full steam down here, full, almost full employment, hospitality, you know, the French Quarter, everybody coming down, conventions booked solid, hotels booked solid. You know, I just talked to a hotel operator the other day and uh, their occupancy rate is at about at 5%. And the 5% uh, of the occupants in the hotel are the uh, National Guardsmen and state police that have come down to help, uh, help out with the, uh, w- w- with the, the virus. So uh, it's, it's a bit a problem, uh, a little bit different from Katrina. How, uh, well, not a little, a lot different. In Katrina, we had a tremendous loss of housing units. That's what caused a tremendous total, you know, evacuation from the area. Everybody moved to Houston, Baton Rouge, uh, Tennessee. They went all over the place because there was absolutely nothing here. It was flooded for over a month in New Orleans. You couldn't even get into the city at all. Uh, That's a little different this time. 
Uh, now everybody is, you know, huddled in their homes. <laughs> the homes are fine. If there's one thing I see that's pretty dramatically different is everybody that we, I mean, we still have lines and lines of people at Home Depot and Lowe's. And they, now that they see their homes, all of the, there's nothing else to do but fix up their houses. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing, I guess, is we're going to have a better housing product when all this is finished, when people decide to move up or move on. Uh, and that's a positive. But it also does go to show uh, the number of people in these parking lots and these big boxes at Walmart. I mean, the parking lot is full. And when I mean full, I mean full. And uh, of course, they have groceries and inventory, but the Home Depots, the Lowe's, uh, there are people out and about. And they're, they're fair, I'll say probably 75% of social distancing, but there's 25% their kids and things like that. You can't control them. And, uh, you know, m- mommy, this mask doesn't fit. It keeps slipping. They take it off. Well, now what do you do? So, uh, you know, life's going to go on. We're going to have some uh, reinfection rates. But I don't think it's going to be – I would truly think a year from now we're going to look back and go, can you believe we actually did all that? <laughs> I think we're going to be back to normal, frankly. The hospitality industry down here tells tells us that, Big conventions are telling them that they're not really going to be booking till 2022. It takes about a year for them to get their conventions organized and, and promoted. Uh, so I think 2022 will be a hospitality year when people feel safe enough to start coming back uh, to New Orleans area. But, it, but before, long before then, I think the housing industry is going to come pretty close to where it was before the coronavirus hit. From a business perspective, this uh, certainly changed the way we do business and settlement services. Uh, you've got everything from drive-through closings uh, to now, you know, windows going up inside of uh, title companies. Certainly, the cleanliness factor uh, exponentially cleaner than it was, I'm sure, uh, just a few months ago. And uh, you know, the the industry has been trending toward that anyway, right? With Ron and, uh, you know, the technology that's been introduced and some have been uh, adapting it, you know, much easier and quicker than others. But now really a lot of folks who maybe put this off, now they kind of have to adopt this, right? Well, no doubt. Uh, one of the large, uh, well, I think most of the large real estate companies and probably a bunch of the smaller ones, they're all using Zoom just like we are. Uh, one, I know one broker down here just had their sales, their weekly sales meeting on Zoom. They had 85 people on it. So, you know, now they weren't there. It's, I don't think it's nearly as, uh, interactive because let's face it, in any meeting, you've always got two people over there talking to each other that shouldn't, but they're communicating <laughs> something important between them. Uh, it's very difficult to do that on Zoom. So you do lose some of that interaction, some of that interactivity. Uh, through a Zoom meeting that you won't get face-to-face. I don't think we'll ever fully get rid of people in that regard. Uh, and I also don't believe, and I, you know, I, things may prove me wrong, but people are going to shake hands down the road. I, you know, this is way too, this is a culture down here that you're not going to change because of a virus. The same thing happened during the Spanish flu. No one would shake hands. No one wanted to go near each other, but it's ubiquitous now. You see somebody, hey, how you doing? You shake their hand, uh, and you look them in the eye, and you know the quality of their handshake. They give you a little soft, limpy handshake. You go, eh. <laughs> they give you one that almost breaks your arm. You go, ow, this guy means business. <laughs> so, so you know, there's little subtleties that uh, body language can't be communicated through a screen. 
But you're right about the transaction. Certainly the electronic uh, signatures have made a tremendous difference. And, you know, I, I also have to say, we had this experience during Hurricane Katrina. We were one of the first companies that did voice over IP with the internet phones. It was unheard of. People thought we were crazy. Hmm. Uh, but thank goodness we did it because we were able to be in Baton Rouge and still get our phone calls. They didn't know. <laughs> they were calling yeah. New Orleans. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's how we all learned to text message during Hurricane Katrina. Everybody had it on their phones, but nobody knew how to use it till suddenly we got these strange things coming across our phones. <laughs> so I think we're going to see some more strange things come down the road now. This has probably accelerated it. But I also think it's accelerated certainly the health industry in ways that we would have never, ever uh, been able to push forward the way we are right now. You know, it's interesting. I talk to, as I'm sure you do, dozens of real estate agents around the country every day. Obviously, I'm talking about health insurance. I know you're talking about other issues with settlement services. Uh, not one that I've talked to. And we're, they're all adopting the virtual technology because they have to. But across the board, they're all telling me, you know, someone's writing an offer. They've got to go see that home. So even with all the video and the visuals and the virtuals and all that, that's great maybe to narrow it down. But not one of them's told me they've actually written an offer, gone to contract with somebody not actually seeing that home. Well, you know, it, it happens that people do buy things off the Internet. I mean, in half a year, frankly. Uh, but there's, there's a certain experiences you can't mimic through a computer. I mean, you can't go into someone's home and, and go, ooh, what is that, a cat box I smell? That smells <laughs> nasty. You can't get that through a computer screen. You know, there are certain things you're just not going to be able to, to take in. Uh, we have look at all the senses we have. It's not just oral and visual. We've got ears. We've got nose. I mean, we have a lot of touch sense. When you see people that go to a house, they open doors. They open the cat. They feel things. They, they want to feel the quality when they go through a home. And many times just feeling the doorknob feel if it's shaky or loose, they go, oh, what else is broken in this home? So there's a lot of things, subtleties that you're never going to be able to pick up in a virtual tour uh, that you will in a, in a in a actual visit. It would be like asking an appraiser to go, hey, do a virtual tour and give me an appraisal on this house. Good luck with that. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's a great point about the cat box. I mean, all those smells that <laughs> we don't have smell of vision, right? Some are good, some not so good. You know, I was always taught to put a little cinnamon apple in the air conditioned vent when people come through and it smelled like apple pie when they came through and everybody felt homey. Can't do that through a computer screen yet. Well, you're taking a pretty optimistic approach to this, so it's good to hear. You've been been around the block and um, I want to kind of spend time on that now in terms of the comeback here. You know, we hear V-shape, we hear V with a tail, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, terrible predictions out there that, uh, you know, no one wants to uh, live through. How does this play out, though? Walk us through it, um, you know, maybe the next six to 12 months and beyond. You mentioned, uh, you know, conventions not coming back to New Orleans till 2022. Maybe we'll see a trickle of that toward the end of next year. Um, and so many people will get the job numbers later this week, and uh, they're estimating anywhere from 14 to 16 percent unemployment. Obviously, Great Depression era, it was around 25, 26, so we're not quite there yet. But um, with such a massive job loss, um, how do we come back in a V? I mean, how do you see that? 
Well, it's going to be, you know, a function of consumer confidence. That's it. I mean, sales go up. You measure consumer confidence. If it's high, we're selling like crazy. If consumer confidence is low, you know, go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> go, go play golf. There's not much going on. Uh, it's tough to sell when there's low consumer confidence. The, the part of the market that's probably going to be hit the worst and going to have the longest time to come back is the first time home buyers. Those are the ones that are really going to take it and, and take it very hard. They don't have the resources. I mean, they live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, they're already overextended. They've got uh, college debt. They've got so many bills that it's very difficult for them to uh, pay off their existing bills of where they are and save to move up to the next house. And of course, what does that do? In the real estate industry, real estate sales are nothing more than a series of dominoes standing up. And the first time home buyer is the first domino that pushes the next one over, that pushes the next one over. So if you don't have the first time home buyer entering the market, you don't have that guy able to, the next guy who's going to move into the next home. And it impacts every single price range all the way up to the top. So the faster we can get first-time home buyers back into the market, and they're usually 21 to 34% of the market in our market on the higher side. Uh, but different markets obviously can be very significant, depends on the price range of the market. But regardless, you need those service people back in the, back in the game. And, uh, and, you know, these are typically the younger people. Fortunately for us, if there is a good thing about the younger people, who want to get back to work first. They're the ones least likely to have real serious impacts from the coronavirus. Uh, their friends are the least likely to have had bad experiences, so they don't have that shared experience of, oh, man, 10 of my friends had it, and, you know, they were on respirators. That's not really the case with younger folks. So I think they're going to get back to work a whole lot faster than most people realize. Uh, and so I don't, is it a sharp V? No, I really don't see that. Every market is local. Some areas is going to be, you know, 60 days and they'll be almost back where they were. Others, it may not be till 2022 in some price ranges in some markets. They may be seriously hit. It's a function of, you know, the density of those areas and how nervous the consumers are about getting back into, into the retail space. Yeah, great point. Now, Arthur, you chaired the Real Estate Services Providers Council, and you've got contacts all over the country in brokerage, uh, settlement services, lending. What's your take on the collective mood of the industry as we go forward here? You know, I think most people are in the mortgage insurance, title business, real estate business. They're all looking at the same sheet of paper. And that is, one thing I've learned about the real estate business is, they're very entrepreneurial, and if somebody puts a roadblock someplace, they find a way around it. Legally and ethically, they just find another way to do it. You know, we had a crazy situation in Louisiana back in the 70s where we had a usury law, and you could not make a home loan over 12%. And it was during a period of time in the 80s where the interest rates went to 17 18%. It was cheaper to buy a house on Visa or MasterCard than go to a savings and loan and get a loan. Well, how are you going to sell a house at 17 or 18 percent with a 20 percent down payment and as a 12 percent state usury law? Well, 
the mortgage brokers down here got real creative. They said, well, it's not going to be a problem, Arthur. I was a new agent. I was working for sale by owners back then, knocking on doors. I didn't know how I was going to survive with a young family. I said, we'll get you your loan. Don't worry about it. I said, well, how are you going to do that? He says, don't worry. Your buyers are still going to get a 12% loan, but there's going to be 21 points. I went, 21 points? So don't get nervous. We're just going to finance the points over 30 years. So there you go. The yield wound <laughs> up to their 17%. They didn't have to pay the points up. They just financed the points and they beat the usury law in Louisiana. <laughs> just telling you, realtors are entrepreneurial. They will find a legal way to make it work. <laughs> 21 points. I mean, you hear that nowadays. And think, I saw wow. it when, when, the, when, the, when the lady from the mortgage bro- company brought the quote sheet and I went, there's a typo. Did you typewriting get stuck? <laughs> 21 points. And she went and explained it. I went, you got to be kidding. And sure enough, that's what Now, fortunately, the legislature saw the wisdom of being market sensitive and changed the law. But there was a period of time where that's what we had to do. Thanks to Arthur Sturbko for joining us on the Insider Report. And thank you for partnering with WFG. To learn more about our unique process, systems, and technology, visit WFGAgent.com. And to access the buying power of a national underwriter, including access to cost-effective health insurance, visit WFGBlocks.com.